Welcome back, everybody, to the SOS Stacy On Sports Podcast Show. You are tuned in with the main host, Stacy Carter II. And this week, the whole crew, the whole squad is back. Mike White Jr., Ben Okazawa, and Korea Lewis. Say what's up, team. What's up? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? I'm wearing, look, I'm rocking the pain hoodie today. I know y'all seen the look <laughs> last night. So I oh, man, yeah. Perfect fit for the, for the vid today, man. Horrible. That's that's the word to describe it, pain. Yeah. Pain. All six pads. Come on now. It's tough. Hey, oh, man. Now, but in some good news, Bobby Wagner heard my pitch <laughs> to get him to the Rams. Crazy. And he signed a five-year deal. You see how that worked? <laughs> All you gotta do is just listen to me. You just listen to me. You gonna, you gonna be good. You gonna be set. Ben, Ben, it's all right. That's hey, how the game goes. We'll get him next time. We'll get him next time. <laughs> you gonna get him five years when he's thirty-seven. After you guys caught him at thirty-three, we we, we can pick him up. It's all good. <laughs> all right. So we got a jam-packed episode today. We got some. We got some news about Doc Rivers and James Harden. Could that be a riff right there? Um. Tom Brady came back, but now somebody else just left from the Buccaneers. Carson Wentz, everybody's favorite quarterback, is back <laughs> in the forefront. But we're going to start first with MVP talk from the NBA. So this season was a carousel of names going on. We don't know who's who will pull away. You know, there was talks about John Moran and Jokic repeating. Um, MB dominated the talks after KD got hurt. But now... Now we have Giannis Antetokounmpo in the forefront. He's making a strong push. First of all, this week he had a game ceiling block on Embiid when they played the 76ers, and he hit a big three in the game to put away the Nets. This right here, this is close. This is very close. And uh, Giannis, he is second in scoring. Embiid is third. Both of them are similar in rebounds. Giannis 11.7, Embiid 11.5. Now, Giannis is shooting way better than Embiid at this point, but it's still a conversation to be had. Who right now is the front runner for the MVP this year? Mike, who you think it is? So right now, on today's day, was it April 2nd? Right yeah. now, I got Giannis in the lead. Mm. Um, so look, man, you, you've already said it. He's 30 and 11 with five, almost six assists a game. Shoot 55% from the field. The Bucks had a second seed in the East right now. And honestly, with the way the Heat been looking, that could easily become the number one seed. So I'm going to go with Giannis, especially when it comes to MVP and things like that. And again, let me caveat by saying today, they usually go off what you just seen. And the last thing I saw from Giannis was a head-to-head matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. Him step back three to tie the game uh, at the end of overtime going to the line, knocking down two big free throws when you're not known as one of the, you know, better free throw shooters in the league, knocking them down, easy, cool, calm, collected. I mean, I'm going to be honest, he, he looks ready for another deep playoff run. The, the, the Bucks look ready, and I think they're going to get that number one seed. So slight edge. I like Embiid. Embiid's had a great season, but at the same time, the Sixers are slipping. They've lost three in a row. They've dropped down to the four seed, and honestly, I think, the Raptors, and I'm forgetting the other team, but there's two teams, right? Only one game behind them. So they could easily see themselves fall down to the sixth seed. I mean, granted, the, um, the Sixers have the easiest schedule the rest of the way between them and the Bucks, but, you, you know, they've, they've slipped a lot. And I think Giannis and, 
and the Bucks, as opposed to the Sixers, they're trending in opposite directions right now. I think the Bucks are trending up and trending um, forward, and I think the Sixers are on the decline, especially as we'll obviously talk about it later with different issues going on within the team. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Giannis right this second. Um, he's my favorite to win it out. All right, we got one vote for Giannis. Ben, who you who you voting for? Listen, I want to preface this by saying I think all three guys deserve to win. No matter who wins out of the people we've talked about, I, I can't be too mad at the voters. What I will say, and I hate to be boring, I got to agree with Mike. It, it's Giannis. Um, this last game showed me a lot. And you can talk about the step back three. It was huge. That's what everyone's going to be talking about. But I saw a lot of plays in that game that just blew my mind as to the growth of, of Giannis Antetokounmpo over the past season or so. Um, one particular play that stands out to me, KD takes a dribble uh, inside the three-point line, 15-footer, pulls up over two dudes, midi, and it's money because that's what he's always done. And the next play, Giannis comes down the floor and does the exact same thing, and that's new. That's new for me, and it just shows a level of growth, and it also shows a level of competitiveness that I think is, is necessary to, to winning MVP and to, to being the most valuable player, not only on your team, but in the league, that um, I think gives him a certain edge over Jokic and, and Embiid. And we can talk about numbers. They all have great numbers. Um, but I think he has a certain, and we, we've talked about his relationship with Kobe in the past on different podcasts. Um, he's got a little bit of that Mamba mentality. For him to come back down, hit a 15-footer, pull up, one dribble into the paint, hit 15-footer uh, right after KD does it, I think that shows there's a little bit of Kobe in that that I think, you know, gives him a certain competitive edge. So I, I like Giannis in this. Um, and what I will say before before I let anyone else go, um, counter question for you guys after we're done talking about this, where does this, if he wins an MVP this season, where does that rank him all time? I think it cat, catapults him up Ooh. in the all-time rankings. Oh, that's a good discussion. We're going to have that definitely after we get done with this question. All right, Giannis is up 2-0. Korea. Who got the MVP right now, Giannis or Embiid? Um, well, I have something to say about um, Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. So mm. uh, just something small, but um, I know that Giannis, he won an MVP-like award in 2019 and in 2020. And so um, Joel, he still needs to win, like, an award and I think that, um, like, Jokic, he has a chance to repeat um, due to the season that he's been having. I guess I could say that, um, like, Giannis, like, he's been having, like, really good games lately, uh, just like what Mike and Ben said. Um, and he, he had, like, a good uh, game um, against, like, the Sixers and Mets. Um, and you could see that, you know, his scoring, like he scored like 44 points. Um, and then also like with the Bucks, um, it was a good game against like Brooklyn, um, the other day. And so, um, I just, I think that, uh, definitely like Giannis, he, um, he's on the right track. So he'll, he'll definitely like, I think he definitely should like um you know win mvp because of how his like performance has been and uh he's just been doing a great job so yeah it's pretty impressive of him all right so we got 
three for Giannis, zero for Embiid. Mm. But now we got one for Embiid. I'm taking Joel Embiid. I'm taking Joel Embiid. And I, I look, I know Giannis is hot right now. And people love to live in the moment and forget about the totality of the season, which Joel Embiid has pretty much carried the 76ers to, you know, top of the East. He didn't have Ben Simmons the whole time. He just got James Harden. And it didn't matter the situation. He's putting up these great numbers. And it got the 76ers in a prime position to do something in the playoffs. I, I mean, of course, Giannis was always going to put up these stats. But I just think that it's NB's time to win the MVP. Um, we all know the NBA tends to market a new name for the MVP, try to spread the wealth, spread the love. And Jokic had his turn last year, and NB was second in that race. I just think that it's NB's turn for the MVP this year. And I'm not, I'm going off the whole pitch. I'm going off the whole season. And we talk about valuable players. Take NB early on in the season, take them off the 76s. Where the 76s gonna be? They're gonna be nowhere towards the bottom of the East, maybe the bottom of the league versus Giannis. I mean, of course, they're not going to do as well without Giannis, but at least they have players that can step up a little bit. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, at least they can step in and do a little something. So I'm rolling with I'm rolling with MB. That's my MVP for the year. And I had him pretty much throughout the whole season. So, yeah, so all three of uh, y'all, I can't <laughs> believe it. I so can't I, believe it. I, I would say, like, between these three, man, honestly, you splitting hairs with whoever's going to win at ultimate end of the day. The only reason, I, again, my argument against Embiid is, yes, it's for the totality of the season, but, man, we all humans. They're going to go off a lot of what happens in these final few weeks. That's why those final few weeks still be important. And right now, especially coming off that loss at Detroit, um, they lost to Phoenix. I believe they lost to – yeah, they lost to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. that's the that's the only thing I think that could cause a cog in the whole thing and especially since you know they're slipping if they fall down to the 6C I don't think they're going to give him the MVP especially with the way um, you know the Bucks have started to surge up and, uh, and again can they take that number one seed from Miami I don't think that's far of the question just seeing what we've you know what we've seen from Miami over the last couple of weeks but I mean, you can't go wrong with picking MB. You can't go wrong with picking Jokic. Like, I'm going through the stats early, like every stat, and they're like, those three are one, two, three in some sort of order, even down to, like, the advanced stat, who has the most player impact. They were all one, two, three, PER, one, two, three. So, look, you, you can't go wrong with it. I'm not mad at your answer, but I do think that that perspective might matter towards the end. Right. So, Ben posed the question. If Giannis, which he does have a great shot, I will admit, wins another MVP, which will be his third, I believe, where will he be as far as all-time rankings? Oh, hmm, that's that's tough. I, that, I think that automatically pushes him at the very, very least top, I want to say like top 30, top 35. Like three MVPs, his points per game is getting up there, which was a big question for me. And far as like who's were in the uh, rankings of all time, and then he's still putting up these stats. He's still leading the Bucks. Just came off a championship, has a great shot to win another. I think we we should think about it. at the very least like 
like top 35. Like it's a lot of names that can go in top 35 as well, but I think he's going to creep up there as far as all time. Ben, what, what was your idea of him being ranked all time? Uh, with an MVP, I said top 20 all time. Um, mm, top 20. I think his accolades would then be on par with some all-time greats. He would have three MVPs, a defensive player of the year, number of all-stars, and uh, a ring and a finals MVP. And the thing about Giannis as well, he's been in the league a while now, but this is really just the culmination. Like all of those accolades I mentioned, it's really just the culmination of four years of greatness. Like he, he didn't really take off until he was 22, 23. And look at what he's done since then. So for me, first of all, I think the sky's the limit, especially we're seeing his shot develop this season. Like I think when his career is all said and done with, he could easily be within that top seven. He could be next to Shaq in terms of the all-time rankings. Um, next to Shaq? Yeah, I think so. Like not right now. I'm saying when his career is all said and oh, done. Oh, okay. All right. You get another, Shaq, another ring or two, and you know he's going to win finals MVP on those rings. I think he's uh I think he's definitely a threat to be top seven all time when his career is all said and done with. Right now, if he wins an MVP this season, I would put him pretty comfortably in the top 20, especially given given his numbers, given the fact that this is only he's had a what seven, eight year career. Um but this is really just four or five years worth of accolades that I'm talking about. And it's three MVPs, a depoy in the same season as one of his MVPs bunch of all-stars, bunch of all-pros, bunch of all-defense teams, and ring in the finals MVP. Like, I think I think he's catapulted into that top 20 if he wins an MVP. And I remember myself, you, and Mike, we had the discussion about power forwards, who was, like, the greatest power forward of mm -hmm. all time. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't have Giannis. I think I had him, like, six at that point. Just because I wanted to see... And I, I said it on the show, he has to dominate, do this for another four years. Like, for another four years. If he does that, then, man, like, I think he'll be definitely considered top 15, top 10. Uh, Korea, do you have any idea of where Giannis is all time right now? Um, I'd say, like, probably, like, 25 or 30. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's about there. right. Yeah, around there. Around there. Mike? Yeah. Yeah, so Korea decided to steal my answer. Yeah, I was around that <laughs> that top 25 range, especially if he gets that MVP and you add another ring. I mean, I don't think it's far-fetched of what Ben said. Ultimately, if he stays on this this dominant over the, over the span of his career, could he get into that top 10? I mean, I think it's very possible. And the way the, – the fact that he affects – both sides of the court in such a way that he does and he puts up the number he does and it obviously has proven that it leads to winning i mean i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say nothing's impossible with him they have a great chance of winning it this year honestly they have one of the best teams in the league and i think they're my favorite in the east right now so yeah i would definitely say top 25 right now all right all right let's move on speaking of talking about the 76 we got to move on to a little controversial news regarding them Got Doc Rivers back in the news. Uh, he was saying that um, basically that loss against Detroit, you know, that was a bad loss. And he was talking about James Harden and his play. He was like, uh, he don't think it was the bench's fault during that stretch. He think it was James Harden's fault, basically. And that got everybody going. 
Um, it's some people that inside the organization that don't like that he singled out James Harden, given that James Harden is a superstar player and he's been brought in to finally get Philly into the NBA Finals to win the championship. So let's break this relationship down. Um, do you all think that it was right for him to say James Harden's name in that press conference, in that interview? And what's going to happen with the 76ers going forward? Like Mike already brought up last week that he don't trust MB and Harden at the same time, more so Harden in the playoffs. So, uh, Mike, go ahead and span on that and also talk about um, Doc Rivers, you know, name dropping James Harden. So, speaking specifically to the Doc Rivers saying James Harden name, you know, I, I watched the interview and I'm going to just, I'm going to be honest, man what he said in the interview wasn't that bad in my opinion you know he just said hey uh the bench didn't really get his shots it was mostly james and he was like you know it's just a tough time we just got to be better at, at the end of the day sometimes just you know if you got to call out somebody call him out like james harden granted i understand he's a superstar in this league but he's also on his third team now he's forced his way onto another team or is this his fourth team? I'm sorry. But either way, he's on. he's been on multiple teams now. He's trying to get a championship. He's trying to solidify his legacy. He didn't come here to Philly to lead the way. He came in here to be a supplement, in my opinion, to Joel Embiid. So in, in my opinion, I don't have a problem with Doc Rivers if he was putting him at fault or if he was just, you know, talking about the stats in general of the game. You know, I have zero issues with it. When you're playing bad and you're supposed to be a championship team, sometimes that's the type of shit you need, man. You need somebody to call you out and say, hey, you're not playing good. You're playing bad. It's too much iso ball. You're dribbling too much. I've already stated, like we said, that I don't trust Philly in the playoffs. One, I don't trust their bench. That's one thing that I didn't bring up. I, I believe they have no bench, in my opinion, so I don't trust that. And secondly, I mean, we've seen James Harden in the playoffs over and over and over again. We know what he is at this point. Is that good enough to go against some of these top-tier teams like a Milwaukee, we've already stated, like a, um, the Heat, I'm sorry, a deeper team like that who has a bench, who has multiple people they can throw out you. Harden is a lot of iso ball, dribble, dribble. Yeah, him and B, they run the pick and roll pretty well, but it's pretty much your turn, my turn with them. And we've been we've seen over the years that that's not a championship formula. Your turn, my turn. No, you need role players. You need ball movement. You need guys who are going to get others involved. So I have no problem when it comes to calling out a player or calling out a star player. And especially specifically in this case, when he didn't really insult him, he just kind of answered the question that came at him. He didn't like go into a tirade. He didn't say, oh, I don't think we can win with this guy. Like he said with Ben Simmons. Nah, he just said, hey, Harden was, you know, he, he got more shots than the bench tonight. So that's something they got to fix going forward. A lot of people are a little too sensitive in my opinion, especially in the NBA this day. Like, if you're going to be a leader of a team, you got to be able to take that, you know, take that criticism, however it comes, whether it's the media or coach or whoever it may be. So I have zero issues with it as far as what Philly's going to do. I mean, I think they can win a, a first round series, depending on, you know, what seed they end up getting. I don't know at this point, but once they get in the second round, let's say the playoffs stay where they're at right now, they're either facing Milwaukee if they get the number one seed. Or if, let's say, the Nets end up eighth and they somehow upset Milwaukee, you get in the Nets in the next round, and I don't think Philly can beat either one of those teams, in my opinion. So 
they better hope for the Heat. Even though I said the Heat is one of those teams they could possibly beat, they better hope they get the Heat because I don't think they're beating anybody in the second round. And in that game, James Harden shot 26.7% overall, and I believe 22% from three. So he was yeah. one for six in the fourth. So, <laughs> like, right. not going to get it done. Against the Pistons, it's not going to get it done. So, not going to get it done. Korea, what do you think about Doc Rivers calling out James Harden in the press conference? And where do you see the 76ers going in the playoffs? Well, um, I don't really see that much of a problem with um, Doc calling out Harden uh, just because, like, his performance, like, you know, hasn't really been, like, you know, all that good. Um, like, especially, like, um, against the Pistons, like, he um, finished with 18 points and then seven assists. And so um, – Rivers, he's just probably like frustrated and, you know, you don't want like a coach like to like sugarcoat anything like, you know, especially if it's, you know, um, in the pro sports, uh, just because you want to have like leadership, you want to have like a coach that is like honest and, you know, is just being straightforward. If I was in, if I was in Rivers shoes, like I would be frustrated too. Like I would just like, you know, call him out. Um, you know, I would just say, you know, like, this isn't what should be happening. Like, let's do something. Let's approach this in a different way. Let's do something to like, improve, like, you know, your performance or like, let's like figure something out here, you know, especially because like Harden, like, you know, he's getting paid, like, you know, money, like good money to like, you know, go out there and play basketball. These players, they're imperfect. Of course, we know that. Like, they're imperfect and like, you know, they're not gonna always have like good games or great games or whatever you wanna say. But um, at the same time, you know, it's just like, they're getting paid and they need to like do the best they can. And like, you know, they can improve and like learn from their mistakes and, and like Harden, like hopefully like moving forward, um, you know, like the playoffs are coming up, of course. So hopefully, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully like, you know, um, you know, Harden like does a bit better, you know, moving forward, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Ben, what do you think about Doc Rivers calling out, well, name dropping James Harden and where do you see the 76ers going in the playoffs? Uh, there are levels to it. That, that first part, there are levels to it. Cause in one sense, Mike's right. It's, uh, it was taken out of proportion. His comments were taken out of context and you take that one block and it makes it look like he's really calling him out. It's not necessarily the case. The, the comment I don't think was all that serious. However, I will say, um, I think it's important as a coach and as a fan of the Raptors, who Nick Nurse loves calling out his players publicly in the media. Uh, my personal opinion on the matter is keep quiet about it or, or praise your players publicly. Say whatever's on your mind. Dole out your criticism uh, behind closed doors. Uh, that's the way I see it. Um, and Doc's been doing this a long time. He knows what he's doing. I'm not going to question his judgment. But um, I don't see any value. I don't see any benefit in calling out players in the media when you can have that conversation with them privately. Um, 
as far as the Sixers' chances in the playoffs, I think it's slim. The, the East is looking very tough this year. There's a lot of good teams, and the Sixers are among them. Um, but the Celtics have been on fire as of late. And then you got teams like the Bucks. You got the Heat. Even, man, the Raptors are storming right now. The Cavs, the, dude, the Nets, and the, uh, the Nets are still in the plan. But if they make it out of that, they're going to be a very, very dangerous first round, second round matchup for any of those teams. So I, I think the, uh, the Sixers, maybe a second round, second round ceiling. Um, but if they really, if they really click and they really mesh, uh, then they could, they could go a bit further, but trade deadlines already passed. So th- there's not many moves they could make that would, in my opinion, that would see them vault uh, teams like the, the Bucks and the Nets and even the Celtics and heat. So it's uh I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a second round exit. Second round exit. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I think on Doc Rivers' part, this is subtle frustration because they lost to the damn Detroit Pistons. You got no business losing to the Detroit Pistons, and you trying to make a playoff push, and none of the seeds are set. So, I think it's a little bit frustration on Doc Rivers' part. Um, when you read the quote, when you read the quote, it doesn't sound that bad. Now, I didn't hear his tone during the press conference, but it doesn't sound that bad. He was like, I think, you know, James, he basically didn't play well with the bench and he kind of cost us the game down the stretch, which is fair criticism. But I'm with you, Ben. Anytime you want to uh, criticize your players, do that improperly. Don't don't give the media any anything. Don't give them anything because we all know the media is going to try to spin this out of control saying that the team is imploding, they're doing this, they're doing that. Uh, can it work? Is Doc Rivers' job on the line, which I saw some of that too. So you never give the media any ammunition. And if you're talking about specific player, if you want to talk about specific player, do it behind closed doors. Don't do it in public. Don't name drop anybody in public, superstar or not. Just, just don't do it. And he should know that as a coach. He should know that after – what happened with him with the Clippers? So uh, I don't I don't know his total strategy, but I'm I'm always for do it behind closed doors. Just give the media the runaround, and you know I think you'll be fine going forward. But as far as their playoffs, as far as their aspirations to get a championship, like we all like you all said, it's not looking that good. And I say that because ironically enough, James Harden. He, he doesn't do well in the playoffs. He might get out the first round, but when it comes to those key moments in the second round, he always come up short. And that can happen this time around, although it's in the Eastern Conference, still happen. Like, like we all said, there's plenty of teams out there that can come out the East as good teams. And I think James Harden, that spotlight is going to be white hot on him. He has to be efficient. He has to hit those key shots down the stretch on the floor. I think MB would be fine. Like I made last week, I made, you know, a joke with Mike saying like, who going to guard MB? But also in the back of my mind, like, I don't know, James Harden might cost that series. <clears throat> That's a fair question to ask. So I think it was subtle frustration on Doc part and hopefully James Harden to figure it out. Let's move on to some NFL news. You got Tom. We all know Tom Brady is back. Yay. Welcome back, Tom Brady. <laughs> But Bruce Arians has left the building. 
He officially retired as a coach. He would take on a senior football consulting role with the Buccaneers. Um, Todd Bowles has moved up. He is now the head coach of the team. Now the media, the media has trying to make it seem like Arians and Tom Brady were at odds with each other, where there was a rift in which Arians said there was a whole bunch of BS. So, but this still is surprising. So let's talk about this. Mike, what do you think of Bruce Arians' retirement? Is this going to affect the Buccaneers try to march back to the Super Bowl? Um, so I, I don't it, I don't think it affects them too much. You, you still have Byron Leftwich um, as your offensive coordinator. Todd Bowles is moving up to be your head coach. Yes, is, is his track record as a head coach impressive? No, but we do know one thing. He can coach defense, so their defense is still going to be formidable. I don't believe there was zero issues between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I mean, it just seems kind of weird. You say there's zero issues, but all of a sudden you're just retiring and you're not even retiring, retiring. You're still moving up to basically a front office role. So you still want to be involved. They just kind of don't want you on the field with that quarterback. So I had heard some reports that Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady would be going over the offensive game plan, you know, getting it all together. And then Bruce Arians would come by and start marking through it with a red marker like nah I don't like this I don't like this I don't like that so there was clearly some sort of conflict maybe not as serious but I'm sure we've all been around somebody that we work with and maybe we didn't totally like them but you know what we're gonna make it work we got a good thing going here let's just make it work so I do think some of that came into play but as far as the Bucks, I still think they're a formidable team in the NFC I still think they're in a winnable division um, I still think they can win that division. I still think that, you know, the NFC is ultimately the easier path to the Super Bowl, and they have the best quarterback in that division as well. So I, I think they'll be a formidable team. Now, I will say that I took a peek at who they're playing this year. Obviously, it's a first-place schedule, and it's not looking very good. They've got Bengals, Packers, Chiefs, uh, Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns with Deshaun Watson now, and, you know, Cowboys and Steelers and Niners. So, you know – they got some they got some some games coming up so it'll be interesting to see how they do but i do still think they'll win that division i still think they have enough on both sides of the ball to get it done and i think the people they have out there on the field as far as Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich and when you have Tom Brady another coach on the field you've got enough to get it done so um sucks to see Bruce Arians go but hey they're still going to be one of those teams you got to watch out for in the playoffs Right. Ben, what you think of Bruce Arians retiring from coaching the Buccaneers and will this affect them going forward? It's interesting. I mean, as far as the rift between he and Tom Brady, end of the day, we can make assumptions. We have no clue what goes on behind closed doors. Um, but Mike makes some great points, some good detective work, some good deductive reasoning going on. Um, I listen as far as how it affects their chances. He's a great coach. I use his Madden playbook all the time. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, Todd Bowles is great too. And he, of course, I mean, when you're the head coach of the Jets, it's tough to have an impressive coaching record. But uh, he did as well of a job as as anyone has been able to do over there uh, in the past decade or so. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with this team. Like Mike said, very defensive-minded coach. And then you've got Byron Leftwich still calling the plays. So I don't actually think this, this will really affect their chances too much. 
It just depends on how the team can come together. A lot of returning pieces, but there's some new guys too, some new guys on that O-line. Um, and hopefully they can hopefully they can get it done. Tom Brady 45. So I'm assuming this this is it, but who knows with him? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Korea, what do you think of Bruce Arians retiring? And does this affect the Buccaneers going forward? Um, so as you guys know, um Bruce was like the Steelers offensive coordinator for five years. Mm-hmm. And um when he also coached for <clears throat> <clears throat> for Indianapolis uh, back then then he came back in 2012 as an offensive coordinator and um, because of like Chuck Pagano like he got diagnosed with cancer all that stuff um, but personally I like Arians um, he's a great coach and you know um, he's one of the um, well he's like the oldest coach to like win a Super Bowl and also um He's won like two awards before, um, you know, like two coach of the year awards. And so um, I don't really think it's going to affect personally like the Bucks too much because um, they have like Todd Bowles and, you know, he's going to do like a great job, like um, guiding the team. And then, you know, the Bucks also have like Brady back and then they have like some other good like key pieces and weapons in there too so personally like I don't think it's gonna really like mess up their dynamic too much um I feel like um as for like going into the playoffs like uh yeah like they'll they'll make it to the playoffs um Super Bowl I don't know about that because personally like I want to see like the Cardinals do something um I mean, because I don't want to be biased. I mean, I want to say Steelers, but I don't want to be biased. So I'm just going to talk about the Cardinals. But the Cardinals, like, we saw them last season, this past season, they did pretty well. And they got, like, uh, my guy, Connor. It was his first year with the Cardinals, and he had, like, a great season with them. And um, better with them, for sure, than with the Steelers. But, I mean that's other like other reasons mm-hmm. but um but yeah I mean I just want to see like the Cardinals do something and you know um just give like another team like opportunity you know instead of always seeing like the Buccaneers like in the Super Bowl especially like Brady because you know that guy he's gonna play until he's like 50 or something I don't really know what he's <laughs> gonna do but but yeah I think the Bucks will be fine I don't think that they're going to be struggling or anything like that. So I don't think they really have anything to worry about. Yeah, no, I think you forgot somebody. I think you forgot somebody when you talking about the Cardinals. I don't know why oh, we talking Rams. about the Cardinals. But I have no idea why would we bring up the Cardinals, football <laughs> Cardinals, and talking about they're the biggest competition. But anyway, anyway, it, it had to be some sort of rift between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. It had to be. Because he wasn't talking about retiring before he came back. Now he want to retire when he come back. And I think, it's just me speculating, but I think it was something that shifted after what happened with Antonio Brown. Now, we saw what Antonio Brown did, and I'm not excusing it. But also, the story came out that Bruce Arians missed like mistreated his injury and was trying to throw him back out there, even though he, he was hurt. And we all know Tom Brady is a fan of Antonio Brown. He liked that connection. He liked that chemistry. So I think 
it got to be something from that. It got to be something from that situation. And for him just to retire all of a sudden after he was ready to go before Brady came back, I just think that there's, there's something there. There's something there. Like I heard that too, where Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady would, would go over plays and Bruce Arians would be like, no, 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 no. So it got to be something. And I'm in agreement with everybody. They're going to be fine going forward. Ty Bowles, he's a good coach. We're we not going to count the Jets on his resume because we all know about the Jets. Uh, Byron Leftwich, he was getting looks as a head coach. Great offensive coordinator. Tom Brady, he's still in good health right now. They got key pieces on that defense they can work with. So they're going to be fine going forward. I don't think it's going to be a huge drop off. I think they not even going to miss Bruce Arians on the sideline. I think they're probably going to be a little bit more happier. So shout out to the Bucks. Y'all going to be okay until y'all reach this point. But, <laughs> but it's all good, though. It's all good. All right. Jim Ursay, owner of the Colts, finally shed light on what happened with Carson Wentz. He said Carson Wentz basically was a mistake. It was a mistake to have him, and he cited two things. One, he said Carson Wentz failed to take that leadership step with the team. And two, he cites the loss against the Jaguars, which was one of their two losses at the end of the season to get them into the playoffs. That's the reason why they had to get away from Carson Wentz. We all know Carson Wentz has been traded to the Commanders, and he's over there. We'll see what he do over there. But, uh, Mike, you had alluded to this uh, last week. You was like there was something going on with, with Carson Wentz. It had to be his leadership or whatever. And uh, you were right. So uh, can you expand on Carson Wentz versus Jim Ursay? Do you think Carson Wentz's leadership is a problem going forward with the commanders? Well, I, I think ultimately you have to consider it no matter what. You know, it, if you get rid of a guy in a year, right? Granted, he had a bad game against the Jaguars, but it's got to be more to it. So, again, if you're not leading the room, and you could tell by the quarterback they chose to brought in, they brought in an older veteran quarterback, you know, no extra nonsense, a guy who knows how to – who's been there, he's done that, Matt Ryan, and they're just following the same formula they did with Phillip Rivers two years ago, another veteran quarterback, a guy who's been around for a while, who knows how to command a room, who knows how to, you know, talk to the receivers and, you know, get the team to play. So – yeah, man. Ursay is funny. <laughs> I wrote down the three, the three quotes that he said. Wentz Arrow was a mistake. He's extremely grateful to the football gods, like <laughs> that he doesn't that's, have that's messed up. <laughs> and it was very obvious they needed to move on. Now, look, I, I'm in agreement. You have one game to get into the playoffs, and you playing the Jaguars, who were what was that record? Two and 14, three and whatever, something like that. And Wentz went out there, got sacked six times, only had 185 passing yards, two turnovers that led to 10 points. I mean, this is it. This is your, if, if there was ever a time to, what I like to say to my players, I coach, if there was ever a time to make your money, this was the time to make your money. And you know, he, he messed up. He came up short and that's what happens. He, you, you have to be able to push this team that has basically everything else. You got to be that piece that brings them over the edge. And I think ultimately Ursay sat back and said, look, we've got the running back. We've got the offensive line. We've got the defense. 
Last year, we've got what we still got T.Y. Hilton. We got this young guy Pittman coming up. The quarterback we bring in should take us to the next level. And Phillip Rivers got some in the playoffs. So Carson Wentz brings you a step back. It's time to move on. It's time, it's time to find a new quarterback. So I'm not surprised. Like I said, it was his play on the field and probably how he was. As a, at least if you have a losing season, right, but you're a good leader, you know, you're a decent player, you're able to motivate guys, okay, we can fix stuff on the edges and smooth this out. But if you're not a leader and you losing and we giving you a lot of the pieces that you need, time to go. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. Best luck to uh, Carson Wentz and Washington with the commanders, but I- I'm not surprised at it. I will say I think Ursay went a little, a little bit too far as far as criticizing, kicking him basically on the way out the door. Just say, hey, man, thank you for everything you provided us for a year. We're going in a different direction. I wouldn't have kicked him out the door like that. He's already leaving. Clearly, we know he's the problem because he's being traded within one year. But, hey, look, it's a tough business, and sometimes that's how it is, man. Right, all right. Ben, what do you think of this whole Jim Ursay comments on uh, Carson Wentz? Um, How do you feel about that? I mean, listen, the NFL is a league where – 17 game season each game is so important especially in the afc which right now is a conference where you can win 10 games and miss the playoffs potentially right um so to have a quarterback who a is not a leader in the locker room and b how do you get sacked six times with that o-line c you're playing a team and this is deciding your entire your the, the fate for your entire season it's a culmination of a year's worth of work. And you're playing a team that on an organizational level does not want to win that game and you blow it. It's tough to do. And it's, I think it speaks volumes as to just the fit overall. That being said, um, they bring in someone. I know, I know quarterback turnovers quick in the NFL. They moved on very, they moved on what feels a bit hastily and they moved on with someone who is older, solid quarterback, but he's older. Who knows how he's going to look this season? Who knows how he's going to look next season? And I don't know. We talked about it last week. I don't know if this move puts them over the top and gets them into the playoffs. So if you're going to move on from a young, a solid young quarterback who had led the Eagles to Super Bowls in years past before getting hurt and eventually Nick Foles took over. Moving on with someone older and someone, albeit more proven, you're not sure how he's going to look moving forward. Um, seems like a mistake to me, but obviously there are things going on, as Jim Ursay mentioned, leadership problems that might have been um, like not able to be resolved. So I get the move, but I, it does feel a bit hasty to me. Korea, what do you think about this new Carson Wentz development courtesy of Jim Ursay? Well, we know how Ursay feels, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, honestly, like you have to have good leadership skills, like, you know, especially like being a quarterback, like you're just like that main person, like, especially of like the offensive line, like you're like that person that, you know, everybody sort of like looks up to you in a way. So it's like, you know, having good leadership skills is like important, definitely. Um, And, you know, Ursay, like, 
for what he said, you know, it was like a lot, you know, about Wentz. Ursay did say that, you know, uh, that Wentz carries a lot of baggage. So I guess like moving forward for the commanders, you know, I don't know how they're going to personally deal with that. But, um, you know, I know Wentz, he's 29 um, and, you know, he's still young. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like we saw the season he had with Philadelphia and then, you know, um, Colts, like, you know, it was just like not too good. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, with the commanders, you know, we see something good out of him, uh, like just something like, uh, you know, just something positive or whatever the case. And, um, you know, like, I know that Ursay, he just felt like it was best for the Colts to just move on for, from him. Like, they just, you know, he thought it was best to just move on from him and, like, you know, um, just, like, part ways. And, um, you know, he definitely just did not like, um, like, how Carson Wentz was, you know, in the locker rooms or whatever was going on. Like, we don't know what happened, you know, behind closed doors, so to speak. But uh, hopefully, like, you know, um, it doesn't get worse. So hopefully, like, you know, he uh, brings that good leadership with the commanders. Yeah, let's hope so about that. Leadership. Leadership. Okay. It's obviously a problem with leadership with Wentz. He went down in Philadelphia. We all know that and Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. And there's no way in hell Nick Foles should have won that damn Super Bowl without, and then the team go on win the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz, if he was that great of a leader. Then you get to Indianapolis, and you having the same problem. I mean, the writing's on the wall. It's, it's, it's right there, I guess. You know, that is a big problem in Carson Wentz, and that's the next step in his maturation process in the NFL is to be a leader, to be a little bit more mature. But I'm still thinking that I don't think they should have moved on from after one year. In the whole picture, he did throw 27 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And he did win some games early on. Now, I know he choked those last two at the end, but I don't think that should have called for him to get kicked out the door after one season. I thought they should have gave it – one more chance, just one more chance, because he's still a good quarterback. And it came out to say that the, the head coach didn't have a problem with Carson Wentz at all. So it's more, it was more so what Jim Ursay thinks. And also, I think Ursay did talk to some veterans, to some, some veteran players in that locker room. So they might have said something, but I think all those issues could have been solved during this offseason. And we'll see what he do in the 2022-23 season. And if it don't work from there, then you let him go. But just to let him go, and then you bring in Matt Ryan, who might not be that much better than Carson Wentz at this point, even though, you know, he's a stronger veteran. I, I don't know about their chances in the playoffs or even get to the playoffs with Matt Ryan. They, I think they're going to finish somewhere around the same point between what happened with Wentz and what happened with Phillip Rivers. It's just going to be more of the same. So I think they should have uh, kept them one more season. But 
He's with the commanders. I think he's going to play well with the commanders, but we'll see how his leadership goes with them to get them into the playoffs. All right, last topic, last topic before we get to our two segments, people. We got two of them. All right, so the NFL dropped some new rules, and we got to talk about it. The first big, major, 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 major rule, teams now must hire a minority or a woman on the offensive side of the ball. So they must have an offensive assistant that's a woman or a minority. Obviously, this coming from um, people criticizing NFL about not having black head coaches. I think there's now there's two now. There's Ty Bowles who moved up, and we got Mike Thomas. So, uh, obviously, they're trying to make room for more diversity and also make more opportunities to move up a minority into a head coach position or move up to a woman eventually in head coach position. So, um, let's break this one down. Mike, how do you feel about the new rule now? I mean, you know, I, I like the rule. You know, it's good to give other people's, you know, more opportunity I, I just hate the fact that we have to make a rule in order for people of color, minority or women to get an opportunity. You know, I, I just believe if you have the knowledge, you've got the track record, you've put in the time and the work, you know, that should speak for itself, not the color of your skin or whether you're male or female. So, again, the NFL is doing what they believe they need to do to help. But at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, each each one of these teams, it, it I don't know, man. I, I it's good overall for the look for the NFL. Like, yes, we're we're being proactive. We're making the adjustments here. We're making the adjustments there. I believe there's only five minority head coaches in the league in total, in general, anyway. So I understand. But the fact that we have to make a rule to get to this point to hire the right people to give people equal opportunity to move up in the ranks and become coordinators or head coaches one day I, I think it's crazy and it's ultimately sad but I'm glad the NFL is being proactive trying to do what they can so that, that's all I really got on it man I, I just believe at the end of the day your knowledge and what you've done in that field should be the basis of whether you're qualified for a job not whether you're male or female or you know black white Does, doesn't matter to me so good for the NFL. All right Korea what do you think about this new rule? Um, so I can agree with Mike. I feel like, honestly, like this shouldn't really be like a problem, like in this era. I mean, we should just give everybody a fair opportunity, like an equal, like opportunity. It shouldn't be like, just like Caucasians or, you know, whatever the case, like, cause honestly, nowadays we mostly see like Caucasian coaches. That's all we see in the league. So personally, like, I wish that we could see like more like coaches, like, you know, ranging from like, um, you know, like of Indian descent, um, African-American, um, Asian, you know, um, like Samoan, anything that would be great, more diversity, more, you know, um, equal racial like hiring in the league. Um, it's just it's sad how we don't really see enough of that. Um, and it's like, you would think that something would change in 2022, you know, you would think something would change. Like, 
for example, you saw what had happened a couple months back when February started with Brian Flores and how, um, you know, he sued the NFL along with like a few other teams due to like racial, like um, discrimination in the hiring process because he felt like, you know, a white man got hired over him for a coaching position. And so like, it's just things like that. Like, you know, you like, you want to take into consideration and now like Brian Flores, like um, just a month, a month and a half ago, he got offered a position with like my team with the Steelers, which is great. And when I heard about that, I was happy because I was like, yes, you know, that's awesome. And then you see like Mike Tomlin, you see if like a couple others, like, you know, in the league. And then you also see Jennifer King as well. Um, it's really nice to see her in the league, um, you know, coaching and doing what she can do. And, um, you know, I, I, I personally want to see more uh, women of color in the league um, coaching um, because, um, you know, it would be great to see that, you know, because women have the ability just like men do. You know, we may have like different kind of like we have like different like um, body parts or whatever the case, uh, different, you know the way we think may be different, but at the same time, it's like, that doesn't mean that women should not have a fair, you know, or equal opportunity to coach in like sports or anything. So I think the NFL should definitely like do a better job at like, you know, hiring like, um, you know, more people of color and also like other, uh, you know, um, like uh, racial backgrounds as well. And I don't know if you guys have seen or paid attention to this, but the 2021 um, uh, Tides, the racial and gender report card, uh, that didn't look too good for 2021 because um, I forgot, I think his name is Richard um, Lapchick or something like that. But he was talking about how um, there's not enough like, you know, um, there's just more like white people, like more Caucasian people, like in the field, like that are getting hired. And I think for racial hiring, um, it, the grade was like an F or something like that um, due to like the majority of like Caucasian people getting hired, you know, in sports and even in college sports too. So hopefully soon we can see, start seeing more changes and start to see more people of color and other races get hired into the leagues. You know, I would love to see that. And women too, women as well. Of course, of course. Ben, what do you think about this new rule now? Uh, it's interesting. Th this policy, the rule, it's kind of like a blanket. You know what I mean? Like it, it generalizes uh, because at the end of the day, they're trying to appease people and they're trying to appease the most amount of people as they can. But at the end of the day, feelings about this rule are going to vary from person to person. Like me personally, I wouldn't want to be hired if it was, if a, if a company was trying to hire me to hit a quota, you know I mean? That's what it feels like, like yeah. the league is, um, is doing here. It feels like charity in some ways. And that's not how I would want to be hired. Now, I agree that in some ways it's necessary because there's a lot of implicit bias and we could go on and on about this. A lot of implicit biases in hiring, um, which is basically just the white people who have been in charge from the start 
you like to hire people who look like you, who think similarly to you, whether that's consciously or unconsciously, you know, whether you're making that decision, um, knowing that's why you're doing it or not. And I'm not saying these are bad people because it's, it's just how people's brains work. You, you were put in this position of power because you're fortunate enough to, for that have to have been the system from the start. And then you're just perpetuating it because of your implicit biases and because you want to hire people who look like you think similarly to you, et cetera. Um, but I actually, I, I don't like the rule very much. I agree that in some ways it might be necessary, but it, like I said, I, I can't speak for everyone, but myself, I wouldn't want to be hired simply because they have to hire one person who looks like me or who looks like Korea or Mike or Stacy. you know what I mean? So um, I think it sucks, like all you guys have said, that we have to put a rule in place to ensure that people get um, positions, uh, people get opportunities to advance. Um, obviously, the best in a, in a perfect world, best case scenario, we would just be doing merit-based hiring. Everyone, everyone applies. You pick the person who's best for the job, regardless of what they look like, of where they're from, et cetera. But we don't live in a perfect world. And people are not perfect. So at the end of the day, I think it's necessary, but I'm not actually a fan of the rule for a lot of reasons that I that I had spoken about previously. It's a rule that unfortunately is necessary in order to uh, activate diversity in top coaching positions in the NFL. Uh, I hate that. I hate the fact that it had to come to a rule in order to shed light on the issue. And it does, like, I being like, I agree with some, some of your points. Um, it does seem like it's like, uh, oh, we have to have somebody, not because they qualify, it's always because we got to have a minority in there. We got to have somebody black in there. We got to have a woman in there. And it's not based on merit at all. And it, it kind of makes me feel away a little bit. And then, plus, I'm also thinking, would this actually lead to, a black male, would this actually lead to a, a woman? Would this actually lead to any other minority being promoted to what, what's the biggest issue is the head coach position in the NFL? Right. Or not even the head coach position, but like the positions in the office, GMs, the president, and all that stuff. Would this actually lead to that? Or will they just do the hire and then just keep on with the status quo? That's it's something that's remained to be seen. There's something that I'm still looking at. Like, I'm glad that the NFL is trying to do something, but the fact that they have to do something in order to make this not an issue anymore is crazy because we all seen what happened with Eric Bieniemy. We all seen what happened with Brian Flores, what's going on with Byron Leftwich and all that. So, like, it, it, it has to change. We have to go to merit-based hiring. We have to hire because they are the best people in this position and not um, keep on with biases and also do what it seemed like kind of like an affirmative action type of deal. Like, I just hate that it has to come to that. But also, like, on the other side, you kind of, you, you're kind of glad because somebody that looks like us is going to get an opportunity at, at a high level position. And hopefully they can graduate from that position to where we want to see them at front office and as the head coach. Um, 
Another rule, just the closing remarks, just real quick. Another rule is the overtime rule is now placed for the playoffs. Every both teams gonna get a shot of possession of the ball. Anybody love this rule like me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. Uh, <laughs> playoffs. I mean, look, I, I've seen plenty of games where Green Bay went to overtime <laughs> and never got the ball back because mm. our defense is trash. So yeah. I'm with it. Uh, <laughs> I'm with this rule. I like it. Yeah, being Korea, which I think of the rule. Yeah, I like it as well. Um, I'm a fan. I mean, I think this this rule is going to be universally loved by everyone. What I will say, the only thing that I disagree with a lot of people on is that if you lose the coin toss, you lose the game. It's not true. People like to think you don't have a choice. You don't have a chance if you lose the coin toss. But at the end of the day, your defense is there. Your defense can win you the game, get the ball in your offense's hands. But I do disagree that it, it has always disadvantaged whichever team loses the coin toss. Um, and I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious what, what spurred this. Cause they, they have tried to get this rule in place for a few years now, certain teams that bills chiefs game, the whole world saw that the whole world yeah. saw what happened and yeah. man, imagine if we had gotten another possession, you know what I mean? So I, I think the league, you know, finally took notice because of that game. So I'm, I'm glad that we put this rule in place. Korea, what you think? Yeah, it's it's a good rule that's been put in place. Like, I think it's going to be pretty interesting, like, you know, to see, like, what's going to happen moving forward, you know? So, definitely. Right. All right. We have two segments to close out the show, too. Uh, I think both of them are great. One of them I found that another one was introduced into our chat. Uh, the first one, we had to create, courtesy of Barstool, we had to create an offense with just $15. So there's uh, five different is five different rankings, five different roles. Uh, we had to pick a quarterback, a running back, two wide receivers, and these players are like the best players we have seen in our lifetime playing college. So you have players like Cam Newton, Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Adrian Peterson, and, and so on and so forth. So we all have created our offense. We don't know each other's. So let's put it on out there. Who has the best offense? Um, ben, who did you select? All right. I started for five bucks at my quarterback position. Give me Vince Young, one of the mm. most electric quarterbacks we've ever seen in college football. Um, and it's the most important position in the game. So, of course, I'm going to spend I'm going to spend all my money on him um, or I'm going to spend the bulk of my money on him. Uh, my running back, I want Derrick Henry. Again, one of the most dominant forces we've ever seen at his position in college football. And then my wide receivers, Julio Jones and Michael Crabtree. Um, I mean, those guys speak for themselves, both elite athletes at the wide receiver position. Julio, obviously just a physical force. And then Michael Crabtree, uh, especially once he got to the league with the Niners, was a, uh, was a strong, strong wide receiver too. I'm, I'm happy to have him as my wide receiver too. Those are my four guys. I got Vince Young at the QB. Derrick Henry is my running back, and then Julio and Crabtree as my receivers. All right, Kareel, who do, who do you have? Um, okay. So I have Lamar Jackson. Um, so <laughs> I have him as my QB. Um, I was going to pick Burrow, but I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked Jackson. Uh, so he's he's a good quarterback you know we see like what he does like for the Ravens and like he's a system quarterback so 
Um, to me, like, he doesn't really throw, like, that far, but he does have a good arm. And, um, like, he's, like, um, like, he's, like, mobile, too, which is good. And then for my running back, um, I chose AP. Um, he's, yeah, he's pretty good, like, you know, and he's got, like, uh, good mobility and, like, good speed. And then for my receivers, um, I also picked uh, Jones and Crabtree. Um, I really like Jones. Um, like, when he played for Atlanta, like, he was, like, on my top, like, five or ten list. Uh, because like, um, he's just like a really good receiver, like, you know, from like what I remember. And then, um, also like, uh, you know, like he had like a fair season with like Tennessee, but like he was, to me, he was like pretty impressive when he played for the Falcons, like, of course, you know? Um, so he's like a FA at the moment and, um, he had like um he had like three losing seasons uh with the Falcons so they had released him and then that's when he got signed with the Titans um so his stats were pretty good when he played for like Atlanta like you know for the first like few years or whatever and then Crabtree like um we see how he was when he played for the Niners but um yeah Crabtree is also like another great receiver so yeah those are the guys that I would have right got two people with two of the same raw receivers Mike Mike what you got for us all right so whoever's watching this remember this one thing reading is fundamental so i thought we were supposed to have two running backs but it's okay you can have two running backs it's all right i just, I just put my list together nah nah because when i had the two running backs it got a little shaky with the uh, prices so here's my team that i just made on the fly um i'm taking reggie bush as my running back uh number five you know usc make everybody miss great punt returner kick returner do it all i'm taking mr money johnny manziel for quarterback mm, hey we're talking college okay man. that boy was doing work in college at texas a&m let's not pretend and ultimately my two receivers were always the same crabtree julio jones for for this fit so that's gonna be my team now my other team with two running backs i had to be real you know skint with my money so i went with still julio jones and crabtree a receiver then I had Adrian Peterson, but for my quarterback and my other running back, I had Cardell Jones and Trey Mason. So it's you, Mike, <laughs> I, I, I had a couple different ones just in case, whatever. But the, those gonna be my my squads. First of all, this 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 graphic. Where the hell the other wide receivers at? Like that's what I was saying. This, like this, this, like now I'm really looking at it. The wide receiver. Who sucks on this? Cause I got the same two wide receivers as everybody yeah. else. It's, it's in, like man. you have to pick those two wide receivers. You, you, a, you got Devontae Smith on there, okay, and then you got uh, DeAnthony Thomas. Like you, you can't pass up Crabtree and Julio Jones. Crabtree held on nineteen hundred yards as a freshman, so <laughs> can't you can't pass him up. But my quarterback and running back is different from two other people. My running back is Reggie Bush. You can't pass up on Reggie Bush. Come on now. You see how dynamic he was at USC? I, I, I became a USC fan at that time. With Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush, you could put him anywhere. 
He can catch balls out the backfield. It was just amazing. And also, my quarterback is Joe Burrow. Burrow. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Let me tell you. Let me tell y'all some stats about Joe Burrow. That one, that one season. Let me tell y'all something. When he was at home, he threw near 80%. On the road, above 70%. And y'all gonna pass him up? Johnny Manziel? Nah, ain't no, ain't no way. Ain't no way. Vince Young, Vince Young don't have the arm talent. And who, who was the other quarterback? Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ain't got that either. So, let me go. <laughs> I'm going no with fans. Joe Burrow. Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying, not not like not like Joe Burrow though. Joe Burrow, he hey, he, he dominated that year. He dominated that year. No shade to Lamar though. I love Lamar. He dominated. Look at his weapons though. He was he was a little bit favored by uh by the people around him as well. Yeah, and you give him these weapons on my it's, offense. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair we win in the national championship. <laughs> Undefeated again. Undefeated, right. yeah, 12 and 0, right. 13 and 0. All right, so that was the pick your offense segment, college football edition. We had a new segment. Um, I seen this graphic in our chat. It said, Which team would you rather coach? A team A, a team with great offense but average defense, or B, team with a great defense but an average offense. I saw two answers. I had my own. We still waiting on one more, but Korea, go ahead and kick this off first. Okay, so personally for me, um, I would like pick a great defense, but average offense because Mm -hmm. like defense like wins games, like in my opinion, and I feel like, you know, they win championships and I feel like if it's kind of like a sudden death, so to speak, type of thing, it's like the defense could kind of like, you know, help you. And I feel like it's good to have a good offense. Like, I don't want to have like a crappy offense, of course. Like, I want to have a good offense, but at the same time, it's like a defense is like important, like for me, cause it's like, you know, um, like the Steelers, for example, my team, it's like, we've had, we've been struggling with like an offense for a while, like, you know, um offensively we've been having our ups and downs defensively we've been doing like good uh we have like tj watt we have like you know some other guys on the defense like you know so i feel like our defense is good but you know but i feel like when you have a good defense it's like you know i feel like it's just i I can't come out i'm sorry I, i don't know how to explain it but when you have like a good defense, it's like, I feel like you are just like set, like you're set in a way to like, you know, um, just like win a game. You need to have the like good guys to be able to like tackle, put pressure on the quarterback, you know, turn the ball over, um, you know, stuff like that. Once you have a good defense and they could do all those things, then I feel like you know, you're pretty much like set, you're good. And then offense needs to be decent. You know, you need to have a decent offense, of course, because like you have the quarterback and then you want to get like touchdowns, you want to score, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I I rather just have a great defense and a good offense. That's me. All right, we got one choice for B. Also, by the way, people, um, this is in regards to 
the NFL offense and defense, the NFL. Um, ben, what you got, A or B? I'm going B. And listen, at the end of the day, realistically, both have to be great for you to win a Super Bowl. Uh, if you look at winners of years past, you got guys like um, Bucks, Rams, Chiefs, all of these guys are, are, both, are solid on both sides of the ball. At the end of the day, though, I will say more teams with a great defense and average offense have made deep playoff runs than the other way around. If you look at the, the Niners, the year they went to the Super Bowl, or even this past year, pretty mediocre quarterback and decent weapons around them, but it's their defense that, that got them that far. And you could say the same for, for a number of teams who have made it to that level. Um, not many of them have ended up winning the Super Bowl, which is why I say, you know, at the end of the day, both have to be great. But that's why I would prefer um, an average offense and a great defense. Even if you look at the Rams in 2018, the you guys lost to the Patriots, Stacey. Um, yeah, thanks that for team, bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, no worries. No worries. Just doing what I can. Uh, that team, again, mediocre quarterback, decent offensive weapons. But it's their defense that really got them to that point. And it almost won them the Super Bowl, holding the Pats to what, 13 points? So yeah, that's that that's my reasoning for why I would take a great defense over a great offense. All right, we got two for B. Mike, what's your choice? A or B? Yeah, so my original answer was B, but Uh-oh. I'm gonna go with A. Uh-huh. I'm just hey. gonna go with A. <laughs> you know, at as the NFL trends to being more of an offensive league and we're seeing these offensive wide receivers get paid like crazy and quarterbacks get paid like crazy, man, give me that great offense with an average defense. Is my defense, if we're saying by average, we mean bend but don't break, then I'm mm-hmm. going to take the great offense with the average defense. That's what I consider average defense. Bend, don't break. Like, yeah, we give up a lot of yards, but our red zone defense is great. We only give up field goals. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm going to go the other way just, just for conversational purpose. I'm going to go great offense, man, with an average defense, a defense that bends, doesn't break, just gives up field goals. As long as we keep going down and getting touchdowns, we're going to be all right in this league because, you know, the refs, they, they want to see the they want to see the touchdowns. They want to see the offensive. <laughs> offensive guys have, have more. The rules are catered more to them. So I'm going to go offense over the defense. Right. If y'all heard episode one, when I introduced Mike, I said the great Mike White Jr., and that answer was why I said that because I'm going with hey, you two are tripping. Y'all two are oh, tripping. tripping. Let me tell y'all why. Let me tell y'all why. My Rams, right? Yeah. Great offense. Great offense. But our defense, far as total yards allowed, was actually ranked 17th. So we were an average defense. The Chiefs, when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't have a great defense. They had an average defense. You can win the Super Bowl with an average defense. All your defense has to do is just be there at that key moment when they need that one stop, that one play, that one interception, sack, something. They just have to make that play. Ben don't break, but a great offense will win you the Super Bowl. That's that's how my Rams was. Yeah, we'll give us some yards, but then when it comes down to that key moment, Jalen Ramsey is locking you up. Aaron Donald is sacking you, and and anything, anything. Look what happened when the, the Bengals was driving. Defense, lock them up. That's it. Game winner. We got the trophy. So I'm taking the offense, and my defense just needs to make a play 
in the crucial point. So being a career, y'all not winning the Super Bowl at no <laughs> point at all. Uh. <laughs> y'all not going to the Super Bowl. Sure. I think so. <laughs> You, you think so? It, yep. it hasn't happened because look at you. I know you. Wait a minute. Your Steelers. Your Steelers is the epitome of. Oh, no, we're not going to win the Super Bowl uh, for a while. No. Your Steelers are. They are B. In a scenario, your Steelers are B. And where they have gone. Yeah. See? <laughs> Same thing with you being in your defense a little bit more terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fair. That's fair. It's a fair point. <laughs> I didn't know that the Rams were 17th in, in, yeah. in yards allowed. I didn't Dude, know that I, actually. I watched every game. I watched us give. Hey, I believe. I watched you. us give us some yards. I watched. I watched us give up that huge play to Debo Samuel. But at the end yeah. of the day, Super Bowl. The reason I'm surprised though is look at all those weapons on defense. Like you already mentioned, everyone: Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Last year at the end of the season, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd. Wow. Yeah. All right. Hey, you yeah. got me though. Fair enough. I'll give that one to you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that was that was the end of Stacy Own Sports Podcast Show. Once again, I had the whole squad with me. One hell of an episode. We got some specials coming up this month. But until next time, we are signing out. We'll see y'all next week.